What a great setting to now open God's word and be challenged and helped. Let's consider this thought of how we conquer. Take your Bibles, please, and join me in Luke 18. As you go to Luke 18, I want to give you a perspective that Mark gives about this person that we read about today. And will help set the context so that the Lord can really seal this into our hearts with power. Here's what Mark says about blind Bartimaeus. Mark chapter 10, verse 52. And Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and began following on the road. He regained his sight. We don't know how he lost it. We just know that when he had this encounter with Jesus, that he regained his vision. My heart is inspired today from this story about how Jesus helps people who have lost their vision. How we conquer the battle of vision. Regaining our vision. I'm speaking to you in a spiritual sense, and I have no idea any more than I know what caused Bartimaeus to lose his physical vision. Do I know what has caused you to lose your spiritual vision? Or maybe it's just been blurred or diminished. I just know that there's such power in vision that we can't afford to not have it. The writer of Proverbs says that without it, we perish. So there's a life-giving power to a God-sized vision. I know this. How we think about the future is how we will live the future. How we perceive tomorrow is how we will experience tomorrow. Whatever comes to your mind when you think of God, yourself, your family, your future, will no doubt shape your stress level, strength level, or success level. Because how you perceive those key areas in relationships, that is your vision or not. I'm going to read to you an excerpt from a letter, and I have permission to read it, and I even want to show it to you on the screen. Here it is. When the recession began a couple of years ago, I was already feeling pretty low and spiritually drained. Then when my wealth was cut in half by the stock market plunge and the value of my house turned upside down, I began to become more and more afraid of the future. The final blow was losing my job. Since then, I've just been going through the motions. I'm no longer hoping for the best in life. I just want to avoid the worst. I guess you could say, I haven't been able to see my way out of this mess. And I don't really see any hope for my future. The question he ends with is, can you help me? This man has lost his vision. And in this excerpt, you see where he had adjusted from trying to conquer in life to just coping. He wasn't looking for the best. He was just trying to avoid the worst. And the part that captures me for our message today is he could not see his way out of it. And he really didn't see any hope 
for his future? What may be attacking your vision? What is it that has diminished or blurred or taken your vision? The Bible tells us that without it, we perish. It is too powerfully uh, determining in our life to be without it or to be confused about it. Today, I'm going to encourage you to conquer this battle of vision. I'm praying that many people of many different ages would, by the end of this message, say, you know what, I'm regaining my vision. In Luke chapter 18, I would like for you to focus there. And I want to read verses 35 through 38. It says, And Jesus approached Jericho. A blind beggar was sitting beside the road. When he heard the noise of the crowd going past, he asked what was happening. They told him that Jesus, the Nazarene, was going by. So he began shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I'm going to stop reading there for a moment and give you a key word in regaining vision. It's the word hope. If you have no hope for your future, you can't have vision for your future. If there's no hope for tomorrow, there can't be a vision for tomorrow. Hope is important and it so often gets misplaced when we go through struggle. We can lose our hope when we struggle. I want you to see that this conversation that the blind man is going to have with Jesus, I would like to transfer it as an encouragement of how we pray. Because as we pray is when the supernatural empowers us and we conquer. So I want us to listen in as the blind man opens up his heart and he is going to cry out and he cries out, yes, there's desperation. But it's a sign of his desire for his life to improve, for his life to change, for his vision to be regained. He's not crying out out of futility, but out of a sense that the answer is closer than it's ever been. Jesus is here. I would like for you to know that I'm convinced that the presence of the Lord holds the answer you're looking for. I'm convinced that he is, he is the remedy. He is the answer. He is the antibody. He is the antidote. He is everything and more that we could ever need. I encourage you to open your heart in hope to Jesus. How would that happen? I encourage you to worship. When you worship and you magnify the Lord, hope rises. When you recall of His greatness by His character and nature. When you reflect on His mighty power as seen in the practical everyday life of people of Scripture and in your own past, hope rises in your heart. And when hope rises, it's not in a circumstance, it's in a person. And the way you have hope for tomorrow is because you have recovered your hope in Jesus. The way you have vision for tomorrow is because hope has risen afresh in your heart in the one who is still in control. I come today with a passion and a fire in my heart to tell you hope in Jesus. You've been saved to a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. I know circumstance can drain the hope and the vision, but today may hope be restored as you magnify the greatness of God. And as you magnify Jesus, hope rises and you'll start regaining your vision. 
hope. I want to give you this next key word. It's the word resistance. The reason I say that word is because in verse 39, the crowd says, Be quiet. But he only shouted louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. No one regains vision without resisting the negative voices. Now remember, I'm looking at this as as a prayer time. When you are seeking the Lord and you magnify, you worship, which is the way you should start your prayer time. Don't start with requests, start with worship. Don't start with the list of needs. Start with a list of the attributes and character of God. Reflect on, rehearse, process, meditate on the greatness of God. Hope rises. But as you pray, there is one that I call the dream buster. It is the devil. And he has a way, even while we're praying, to put negative thoughts in our mind. Thoughts of how we'll never be able to do what we feel God is calling us to do. Thoughts of how we can never be what we believe God wants us to be. Some of you know you're saved to more, and yet you're living less because you are fixed to the assessment of the one who hates you. I declare to you today, don't let the one who hates you assess you. Don't listen to the negative voice of the dream breaker. Listen to the one who loves you, who created you, who gave himself for you and saved you for an amazing, incredible vision. Listen to the one who is the voice of purpose and the voice of truth in your life. Nobody gets out of the boat and walks on the water unless they listen to the voice of truth. No one steps out on the battlefield and slays the giant unless they are willing to listen to the voice of truth. How many gifted and talented people are sitting on the sidelines of life? No vision because they are listening to the negative voices. Someone has told you you can't. Someone has told you you can never measure up. Someone has told you you're just not good enough. They may have told you that years ago, and yet that voice is as clear in your mind today as it was then. It has you trapped. It has you limited. It has your vision blurred, or it's taken it away. The blind man doesn't receive his sight in Luke 18 unless he is willing to resist the negative voices. It could be your own voice. You talking to yourself and talking yourself out of God's vision for your life. I would have never been able to stand in front of people and preach God's word had I listened to myself. I told myself many times over that I could never do this. What raises you to a self that is really greater than yourself is a voice of inspiration and power. And it is the voice of Jesus calling you higher and calling you farther and calling you to more and calling you to expand your vision because he's the one who can make it happen. I get stirred in my heart because I, I, I grieve over people who are allowing precious time and talent to be squandered because they're listening 
to the voice of a dream breaker. You're called to soar. You're called to more. You're called to rise. Don't listen to the negative voices. Nobody recovers vision unless they resist. Oh, we get so preoccupied with what people think of us. We get this even addiction to approval. I'm going to show you a powerful word. It's in Proverbs. Notice it with me. It's message paraphrase. The fear of human opinion disables you. That's just how strong worrying about what people think really is. The fear of human opinion is disabling. Oh, to be set free from the negative voices, what other people think, to see the steps you may take even today or this week if you just put your focus on Jesus. I said to a group of young people that were here in the 9 o'clock gathering, I'll say it to all of us, we need to be set free from what people think. I said it like this, we would worry a whole lot less about what people think of us if we knew just how little they think of us. We don't think about other people. We're too busy thinking about ourselves. Oh, to be set free from the worry and the, that approval addiction. I feel to say this, but to some of you who just have that gift of encouragement, You're a believer in people. You love to see in somebody what they can't even see in themselves. Use your gift. Use your voice. Be like Samuel when he pointed at David. He said, you're the one. Man looks on the outward appearance, he said, but God looks on the heart. And you have what it takes. You see yourself as a shepherd boy, but God sees you as a king. Oh, to believe God's assessment. For he created you and he has foreordained good works. His plan and his purpose. And you can just walk out of the insecurity and the inferiority because knowing who you are in Jesus And this whole thing is not about you or me. It is about him. Oh, to live for an audience of one. Some people even are limited and restricted in their worship because of what others may think. Live for an audience of one. And I'm talking about him. Live concerned and focused on Jesus Hope and resistance. Here's the next word. It's the word calling. I want to go back over to Mark's perspective. It's in chapter 10, verse 49. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man. Cheer up. On your feet. He's calling you. Now that's why you can't listen to the crowd. The same crowd that was just telling him to shut up is now saying, cheer up. On your feet, he's calling you. The crowd is fickle. Self-talk is fickle. You need the God talk. 
You need a voice that is steady. You need a trumpet that always sounds a certain sound. You need the voice of God that is a voice of truth. That can speak right into the darkness and to the, the, the blurred vision. And even when you go into the fog, he is the instrument panel so that you can still go where God is taking you. So he called him. The word here is calling. Listen for God's call. I don't want to miss this important point. Calling and vision, they go together. When you know you're called, then it opens up seasons of vision in your life. Not a doubt in my mind that I was called to preach the gospel. And that calling opened up seasons of vision. And let me say this. I didn't have to surrender to the call. I jumped at the call. This idea of trying to talk people into surrendering to the call of God is all because we've never elevated God. We've elevated consumerism and comfort. If we would elevate God, it wouldn't be preaching so people would maybe surrender to the call. They would jump at the call. That God would call you and me. That God would be considerate of you and me. That God would call us friend and have a plan and have a purpose. That, that God would make your heart beat and put breath in your lungs and give you a sun in the sky and say, now come on, this is the day that I've made and I've got a plan for you. Oh, to get people back on their toes, to get the fight back in your soul, to start looking for the sunrise, to get some unction in your heart, to get some fire in your soul. It comes when you know God loves you. God is for you. God has a vision. God has a plan. God has a purpose. God is in control. Hallelujah. I get stirred in my heart because people can break out of this this cloud, this glaze, this funk, this, this blurred vision and walk in clarity and purpose and fulfillment. Hallelujah. Conquer this thing called vision. It's a battle, but you're going to win it. Hallelujah. Some people are called to do real estate and they develop. Some people are called to teach preschoolers. Some people are called to do music. I'm glad people are called to do music because it blesses me. I, I can't do it. But I'm thankful for the people who can. Don't take this idea of calling as that it's restricted to a few or certain areas. Everyone in this room is called. There are people in this room, you're called to be a, the principal of that school where you are. You're called to be that teacher. You're called to be that engineer. God called you, and with that, it opened up seasons of vision. All of us are called. If we weren't all called, there would be so much work that wouldn't get done. If only a few were called, there'd be so many things that would not be accomplished in life. No, God has given a call to each of us. It's different callings. See, you're embedded when you think back of the Iraqi war and they embedded those reporters. So wherever the troops were across Baghdad, we could get a story because they'd embedded a reporter with those troops. You're embedded in your home, your neighborhood, where you work. 
according to your calling, which has opened up seasons of vision, which are seasons of purpose. And as you make the most of that purpose, the light shines in all of those different places and the harvest is brought in and the kingdom advances and it just speeds up the return of Jesus. Hallelujah. How does hope rise as I pray I worship? How do I resist the negative voices? Because I keep in that attitude of prayer until there's a dominant thought, a God thought. Until I hear his call. Now, let's just get as practical as we can. Most everyone in this room, you you probably don't hold a conversation for an hour, hour and a half at a time with one person focused. It's just not the kind of assignment you have. And let's take that in that you don't pray an hour a day. So if I say to you, if you want to hear God's call, you have to pray an hour a day. And you go into a conversation with Jesus that you can't see. And you've got to keep the conversation going for a solid hour. That could be a recipe for sleep. Major distraction. So start where you are. See, the mantra is that as we pray, that's when the supernatural empowers the natural. Are you praying more since we started this series? And if you haven't been praying, then start where you are. Start with five minutes. Start with ten minutes. Start with twenty minutes. Just start and and open your heart in worship. Seek his face. And as those negative voices come, some will be distracting. Like you, If you want to know anything you've forgotten, just pray. Because when you're trying to, like, magnify the Lord, you'll be saying, oh, I forgot to get ketchup. And it will happen. You know what I'm talking about? It's bizarre the, the, the way the enemy will work in spiritual warfare when you're praying. And he will certainly come with the negative voice, the voice of doubt, the voice of despair. You're trying to, to release faith as you pray. And he's going to do everything he can to... To just be the, the voice of doubt to where you're praying and, and you don't even believe. It's like, so why pray? You will be, see, you're going to be real when you're by yourself. And if you're asking the Lord, God, I need you to do this over my vocation, over my family, over my marriage. And, and if you don't even believe it, you'll walk away from your own opportunity to talk to Jesus about it. Because you're listening to the voices. You're listening to the crowd. You're listening to the dream breaker. You've got to pray through. That's that's why people who've been on the journey for years, they had this language and they called it praying through. What did that mean? It means that in prayer there's spiritual warfare. And you're going to have to pray through those distractions and through those doubts and through all of those things that would diminish the greatness of God in your heart. And you will pray through. There is a resistance against you. So you've got to come with a spirit to go through it. And as you get there, your heart becomes receptive and you start hearing the call. You start getting vision. You're setting your mind to capture those God thoughts that are coming your way. If you determine to get a new vehicle, uh, let's say a white Jeep. You're going to get a a white Jeep. 
But it's going to be several months before you get one. You're going to start driving down the road and you're going to be amazed at all the white Jeeps. And you're going to be like, did everybody just immediately go and buy a white Jeep? No, they've always had them. But you hadn't created a category in your mind to see them. But now you've set your mind. You've created a category in your mind. And so you capture every single one of them. When you say, Lord, I want to recapture my vision. The vision of God over my future, my family, my finances, my vocation. And you really give yourself to that. You're going to set your mind like a trap to grip those God thoughts that will set in your mind as directional, as inspirational, as practical help in getting the vision done. Praise God. We've got to figure out how does this work? It works because God still speaks. He's not distant and He's not silent. He's closer than we could ever imagine. The Holy Spirit, the Creator resides in you. The one who who placed the stars with the span of his hand, the one who created galaxies, this one galaxy, we can't even wrap our mind around it, and it's one of billions of other galaxies. And the God of such power and greatness resides in you. He can inspire some fresh ideas and some fresh thoughts. Oh, he's given you an imagination not to use on evil, but just to imagine his greatness and what he can do as you yield and jump at the call. Hallelujah. Prayer is that time where you just open your heart and it begins to happen. This is Mark 10, verse 52. It says, and Jesus said to him, go your faith has made you well. I want you to see that when Bartimaeus placed his faith in God's grace in Jesus Christ, the miracle happened. Get that wording. When you place your faith not in the circumstance, not in your education, not in your talent, not in the stock market, not in the economy, not in the government. When you place your faith in God's grace through Jesus Christ, that's where miracles happen. That's when he regained his sight. You're not putting your faith in a program. You're putting your faith in a person. You're not putting your faith in the outcome. You're putting your faith in the person, Jesus Christ. I want to show you a comparison. Dr. Luke said, as Jesus approached Jericho, a blind beggar was sitting beside the road. So you have the picture. There was Bartimaeus. End of the story, Mark says, immediately he regained his sight and began following him on the road. So the question is, are you sitting on the sidelines of life having lost your vision or your vision's been blurred Or are you following Jesus on the road of life with dynamic vision? My physical vision at age 46 is nothing like it was like yesterday or age 40. 
I was watching a football game last night. I wasn't discouraged about how the Razorbacks were doing. I couldn't see the score. It's the truth. I couldn't even see the score. There was a day that was not an issue. Connor came home from the Bible bookstore a few months back and showed me this new Bible. He said, Dad, you'd love a Bible like this. And he goes, they have it in giant print. He was being just as serious as he wasn't trying to be. He's being as serious as he could be. I said, well, Connor, you know, I'm, I'm using my iPad when I preach now. He said, okay, well, let me see it because I know how to increase the font. So what am I saying? Life has happened to me. And because life has happened, and there are more years, my vision isn't what it used to be. Maybe life has happened to you in a spiritual sense. And you're not like defeated, but if you were to be honest with yourself, your vision is not spiritually what it used to be. And when you pause and think about it, it's just that you've gone through some things. The passion, this has happened to me in a spiritual sense as a physical, is that you just go through stuff. And there are those times where you need to say, Jesus, son of David, help me regain my vision. I want to live for the sunrise, not the sunset. I don't want to just sedimentate. I want to be energized and on fire for God. I want to live with an enthusiasm of a God in me, the very hope of glory. I want that energy, not that comes from from a self-help book, but that comes from the Spirit of God residing in me. And life has happened, so Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me because I need to regain... Vision. What Joseph went through from the first time God gave him a dream. Life happened to him. A lot of things that were confusing and unfair and painful. And I've always prayed in this way, and I pray this over you, not that you would have 20-20 spiritual vision, but 50-20 spiritual spiritual vision because Genesis 50 20 Joseph says okay I get it now what the enemy meant for evil God meant it for good listen for the saving of many people so God hasn't wasted one experience you know I am 46 and someone said don't you wish you could be 26 again no way You know what I'm saying? I wouldn't take anything for my journey now, but I don't want to turn the clock back. No way. You hear my heart. It's like, you come through. But God hasn't wasted one experience. And if we process what we've gone through, through God's grace, by putting our faith in God's grace in Jesus, we regain our vision, and even what we went through becomes ministry it becomes our message it becomes a way of helping other people it becomes a way of empathizing 
in standing in another person's shoes and caring at a different level and having an anointing at a different level and having an effectiveness at a different level. See, the devil wants you to live without a vision because he knows what you could be in the kingdom if you regain your vision. And I have come to preach today, conquer this battle of vision. God has great things for you to do. Great things for you to do. You know, anything that the devil has done and meant for evil, God in his sovereignty and power has a way of turning it. Not that you ever will understand it. And you certainly wouldn't want to go back and have to relive it. But God in his grace has allowed it to be part of the masterpiece that he's weaving and and painting as the great artist of your life so that you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto the good works that need to happen today and tomorrow and next week and this year and next year. God is calling us to regain our vision. He's poised to open up the eyes of your heart. Let's pray.